Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show, episode 292. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman, and we will revisit Loki season one while also providing a review of the 4K Blu-ray physical media release of Loki that happened earlier this week, all to get us ready for the second season premiering at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday, October 5th, and the spoiler reviews on this podcast that will, of course, follow. But before we revisit and take another lap around the sacred timeline, want to let you know once again about Fan Show Plus. That is where you can hear us talk about extra MCU topics on podcasts that are exclusive for premium subscribers at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber and on Apple Podcasts if you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus, you can find it there and subscribe and get those episodes including a new episode of Fan Show Plus coming up in which we will discuss the news that Marvel Studios is about to start looking for writers and hearing pitches on a specific X-Men movie. Really looking forward to talking about that. And you will have a chance to hear about it on Fan Show Plus, again, at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, on Threads, and the social media platform previously known as Twitter, now named X. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to share their review. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? I am uh, doing doing all right. Uh, I will say the irony of you doing the physical media review of Loki bef- and, and not me is 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 hilarious because of the, our our you know my love of physical media is great and uh, I I just I'm waiting for to get it for Christmas but I, I just think it's hilarious that you're the one doing. I just I out hipstered you on this one. I just you got I, me. You got I got me. it. Yeah, well, I mean, I was even looking for, speaking of physical media, when Rogers the Musical, the songs of which are now streaming, uh, for those of you who didn't get a chance to see it at Disney California Adventure, I'm waiting for the limited edition vinyl pressing of Rogers the Musical and and all of those songs, because why not? Uh, But yes, we are going to revisit Loki season one. But before we do that, this gives me an opportunity of to talk about how I was able to revisit Loki season one. And just to let you know, the homework that we did for this show, we did go through each of us a recent rewatch of Loki season one to prepare ourselves for season two and also talk about it once again on this podcast. And so because of the release this week of the 4K Blu-ray edition, the 4K Blu-ray steelbook of Loki season one, that was how I revisited the show this week. In addition to watching some scenes on Disney Plus for specific review reasons that I am about to unveil. But I will quickly just review for those of you who might be wondering if it's worth it to go ahead and and pick up the physical release of Loki Season 1. Let me go through my thoughts on this physical media release. So first, going through the extras. Not a ton there. The featurettes that are there are good. It's just not an overwhelming amount of special features, which we wouldn't necessarily expect. But just to run them down, there was a a designing the TVA feature that was really cool. It just went through the production design of the TVA, but it's also a lot of information that you would get in the Marvel Studios Assembled episode of Loki, which is also included as an extra on the second disc. It's two discs for Loki season two, three episodes per disc, as well as some extras on each one. So for the Marvel Studios Assembled, it's exactly the same as what's already available on Disney Plus. So if you subscribe to Disney Plus, you obviously already have access to that. The TVA orientation video that we see Loki watching and that cuts uh, into the screen for us as an audience in the first episode, you get that TV uh, TVA orientation video clean, not embedded within the show. You just get it by itself, which is cool to be able to watch it that way. A couple of deleted scenes, Loki's coronation, which a piece of which we would see in... TV spots and trailers for the first season of Loki, but then that unveils an actual confrontation between Loki and Frog Thor, obviously with very, very unfinished effects for Frog Thor. I think they already released a lot of that as a clip outside of the the physical disc release anyway. Also a standoff scene uh, for Loki and Sylvie being captured on Lamentis, which they just cut around uh, for, uh, for Loki season one. And It's not necessarily missed. That's why it was deleted in the first place. There's also a gag reel, which is fun as those things tend to be. Again, nothing just earth shattering when it came to the extras. 
As for the video presentation, as you've already heard me complain slash whine about, stand up on my soapbox for, there is no Dolby Vision on the disc, which is a huge disappointment. And that really impacts how much of an upgrade this is or isn't when it comes to video quality. I mentioned before that I would go back and watch some scenes on Disney Plus and then watch the exact same scene on the disc. And I felt like Dolby Vision was missed, especially because Loki tends to have a lot of dark scenes. There's also a lot of colors that just pop more. The contrast is just better. Even with a compressed file that you're watching via streaming, I found the Dolby Vision image quality to be superior, but granted, I have a really nice internet connection that gives me a strong streaming setup, so there's not really any lag or any of those sorts of things that maybe cause some issues for some other folks who are watching via streaming, but I felt like the video presentation on the disc was not as good as the video presentation on Disney+. Plus. Audio was better on the disc compared to Disney+, Plus, but Unless you have a really great professional audio setup, I don't know that the difference is going to be anything more than barely noticeable. I have a pretty decent audio setup, and it wasn't really a pronounced difference. Enough of a difference to be noticeable, but not much more than that. And the audio quality on Disney Plus still works just fine, and I'll still take uh, give the edge to the superior uh, video quality. Um, overall, I think the physical media release was good, is it worth having as a collector? That's a definite yes. The steel book looks great. The little concept art cards they give you in there looks great. As somebody who collects MCU steel books, the Loki steel book looks fantastic on the shelf next to all of my other or and amongst all of my other MCU steel books. So from that perspective, it totally works. Is it worth it from a viewing perspective? My answer there is it depends. If you are very happy with your streaming setup, if you are very happy with the video presentation and you have a Dolby Vision tape, uh, capable television and you're benefiting from Dolby Vision and the video presentation on Disney+, Plus, then there is no upgrade. I actually consider it a little bit of a downgrade on the physical media release. If, however, Dolby Vision is not an issue for you and you're not necessarily happy or thrilled with the quality of video that you are getting via streaming, then yes, the Loki physical media release has the potential to be an upgrade and is probably going to be worth it. So it's not necessarily worth it for everyone in all scenarios, but there are certainly some cases, as I've outlined, from a collector standpoint. And again, if you're not totally happy with your streaming setup or the video quality that you're getting from Disney Plus via streaming, or don't benefit from Dolby Vision anyway, then yes, that's where the physical media release could potentially be an upgrade for you, or at least worth it. In any event, as I said, I'm happy to have it on the shelf. It was a great excuse to rewatch this series. I was going to rewatch it for this podcast anyway, but might as well have even more reasons to rewatch Loki season one. And Paul, you rewatched the show, and now yes. we will revisit that sacred timeline. And I'll, I'll just start with this, Paul. What I found in rewatching this show, nothing totally different in terms of, oh, wow, this completely changed my perspective on the show since the last time I've seen it. I mean, I've already seen it multiple times and saw all these episodes a, a number of times. But I think if there was something that really stood out to me, it was not so much brand new information, but more of a reminder of how great this series is. I would say for sure having, I can't remember when the last time was I watched it. It's probably been at least a year. And I would say, though, that it holds up. It really holds up. I, when I think about, and my memory is not perfect, but when I think about the podcast that we were recording for our spoiler reviews of Loki season one, I remember us having a lot of praise for the show. And I, I know that this is a show that we've gone back to when we talk about some of the best things that Marvel Studios has done on Disney Plus and in the multiverse saga. And really, this just reinforced it that for good reason, we go back to Loki. I didn't come away from this rewatch feeling like, well, wait a minute, I should be putting Loki up there, right up there with WandaVision as the best or tied for the best Marvel Studios Disney Plus series. I wouldn't go quite that far, but I would say solidly for me, Loki is the second best Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, and it's really close to WandaVision. I I think if that's one thing I came away from this rewatch from or just reinforce what was reinforced by this rewatch is that the margin between WandaVision and Loki is pretty thin because this series really is great. And, and it definitely holds up to time, uh, which, you know, oddly enough, I guess it should for Loki. 
Um, but also uh, just the rewatching these episodes again and again, it, it's not a chore to get through them at all. It is still a treat to be able to watch all of these episodes for so many reasons that we'll get into over the course of this podcast. But this is a really strong one and, and shows that, uh, you know, Marvel Studios can they can still bring it. And I know and, and I'll get more into that point a little bit later on. But yeah, I think Loki season one definitely holds up and I'm pretty excited. I already was excited, but this rewatch got me even more amped up for season two next week. So I am one of those people, I think, that uh, that, <clears throat> that I liked Loki, but I, I felt like I didn't like it as much as other people. I remember we talked. We I definitely had praise at times for the show, but it didn't hit me as much when I watched it the first time. And I'm trying to remember when it first came out. Was it 2021? It came out. It was June of 20 June and July of 2021 is when these episodes were okay. dropping. All right. So because so I remember just Black Widow was like sandwiched in between a couple of these episodes. That's right. Yeah. Because I remember because because uh, my daughter had just turned one, and. Life was just kind of chaotic that first year. And I remember as as I was watching Loki, I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as other people, especially with, with you. I, we I love the I mean, the last episodes an all timer that that can't be. I thought that was incredible. And then that actually I think the last me. episode, I, I think you were I mean, and I don't know, again, memory is not perfect, but sure. I think we were both pretty amped up for episode five for Journey into Mystery yeah, with classic Loki. Yeah. And I think that uh, I think we were both pretty good with episode one as well. I think maybe yes. where we differed more were probably episodes two through four. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree to that. So as I'm re, you know, it was really cool when you when you told me, hey, we're going to rewatch Loki. I'm like, sweet, because the problem with me right now is I have a hard time rewatching things because my life is so just nuts with, you know, having a kid and everything. I think that's I think that's real for you. But I also think that's real for a lot of people because, hey, a lot of you have kids or are otherwise even without kids sure. are otherwise busy with life. But also and this is why I'm glad we're doing this and, and revisiting this series just as a fan to watch these episodes sure. and also covering it here on the podcast in general. We don't savor these things the way that we used to, because before, mm -hmm. what were you and I talking about and thinking about? Two to three movies a year, year. which yeah. meant, and that's two to three movies, not series, where there's a new installment every week. It's you get the movie, and you're talking about that movie for a long time, and you start looking forward to the next one. But it's been really hard to do that for Marvel Studios over the past few years, because, and yeah, when I talk, like, if I think about Loki... It used to be pretty standard for me to rewatch almost everything in the MCU on average at least once a year, some things more. That definitely doesn't happen now because there's so much more to have to be able to rewatch. And so I think for a lot of these things that have come out, you know, post Endgame or really starting with WandaVision in 2021, because we've been hit so fast and it's just been so frequently with all of these different things, movies and series and with several episodes for each series it's just been harder to do these rewatches. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't seen like, I guess Loki came out a little more than two years ago. So the amount of times I've rewatched Loki probably pales in comparison to the amount of times I probably rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy from August sure. of 2014 to August of 2015, just, just as an example. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. And and it's just crazy to me because uh, you know, you know, being a bit more Marvel zombie as I am, I like you said, I should rewatch this a bunch and it feels like yeah. I don't know. It, it's, I just, it's, it just, hey, it's it's not from a lack of wanting to. I don't think. No, I I well, yeah, for the most part, yeah. I mean, like, I will. I In will some say, cases, it probably is, but I don't know that it was yeah, for Loki. Not necessarily. It was more of like just I, the problem is I want to rewatch it. I want to rewatch Wandavision and all, and even, what I think is amazing, and even Captain America and or uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Excuse me. And it's like. I just, it's hard for me to sit down and watch six episodes. You know, it's easier to watch a movie, but I, but I, I say all this, there's, there's a caveat to that. Cause when you told me that I'm like, okay, cool. This will get my, get me off my booty to actually yeah. watch. Now you've this, got a you know, mission. Finally. Exactly. I like having homework, you know, there, so I had a gif of like a, a puppet being like stupid chores talking about like, uh, uh, <laughs> my buddy Carlos, uh, on X or whatever, Twitter, whatever the hell it's called. And it was a puppet like this yelling at these dishes being like stupid chores. Well, it's someone what said, we like, all need is glorious purpose, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I was, I was thinking like, this is like the best, 
homework of all time. And, I, and it was it was kind of homework in a way because I had to be like, okay, I'm going to fit this in between. Like, And it worked out perfectly. I started early. I'm glad you gave me a week, a little over a week in advance. So I got to kind of fit it in everywhere I needed to. It was, it was perfect. And it actually reminded me of how, like, you know, I need to do this more often because it's perfect. I can, like, sit it in. I can watch an episode and a half, stop it, go back, you know, give it a – I don't have to go back day to day. I can, you know – it was it was beautiful how I was able to orchestrate it in the week. And I'm like, man, this is actually way better, easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, that's how my life works right now, Sean. Uh, <laughs> I – so when I when I sat down and watched it the first time, uh, you know, this is the first time I rewatched it. I think besides the last episode for all time, uh, ever. Like I don't think I rewatched it once because I was just so busy and stuff. And and that's again, that's not a detriment necessarily. I again, we like like Sean, you made a good point. I didn't hate it or anything, but I liked it a lot. But I definitely like didn't like probably episodes two through four. I think it's a great great explanation of that and i might Re- be remembering that wrong you guys you, no i our, think our dear right. listeners I, can go back and check the tape if they care to and and by the way that yeah. is not me assigning you any of you homework like i assigned yeah. paul to rewatch logan no, you do not have homework. to re-listen to episodes of mcu fan show unless you just yeah. want to for your own reasons y- you should because we break those down like no other in my opinion eh, so that's, that's, that's my, fair that's fair yeah that's, that's my that's my fair assessment there because we get good information yeah now, com- completely unbiased takes on on how good our podcast is I, I absolutely. Um, I I am I'm pleased to say and announce that I one will I'm gonna start rewatching all these shows more often now because now I'm like okay this is a good way to do it. Two, I'm happy, really happy to say here, Sean, that I enjoyed Loki even more this time, and I don't mm. know if it's because of the model that we were given it uh, of the week to week is not as good for marvel for me i don't know it's hard to say because I, I haven't rewatched a lot of these these series to be quite honest um and so this is the first re- real sit down rewatch that i have had maybe ever of all the marvel tv series and um it's one of those things where i i sat down i watched the first episode and i'm like yeah yeah this is like i remember liking this episode it's fine but when it got to two through four that's when I was like, okay, I, I, I understand the aesthetic even better. Just knowing that it was way, way more enjoyable rewatch than I was expecting. And I don't know if I had just, I don't know why I had these low expectations necessarily, but going into it and just kind of, you know, like I'm going to watch this and I, I just, I loved it even more mm-hmm. and I was really enjoying myself. And one thing I'm just going to say right now, the one thing that stuck out to me which we already talked about at the last podcast, but it really hit me more was the the acting and the actors they got for this show. Yep. Were top notch. I mean, I was it's it's by far the best performance, the best performances by like pound for pound by every if you took all the characters from one show compared to everyone in the Marvel Universe, you know, series, it's pound for pound the best, in my opinion. Like I don't think there's a bad performance anywhere. And they're all really engaging storylines. And I think the other thing is too that the not not just the main plot of the Loki's of Sylvie and, and Loki himself, but actually the subplots yeah, are really interesting the full too. Cast. And that's the full cast. I think that's where it separates itself from all the other Marvel shows. One division had a very specific storyline and it doesn't really have that issue as I think the other shows do. The other shows try to bring other aspects and maybe subplots into it and other characters and, you know, supporting characters. And it just doesn't really always work. And where Loki really works is all the characters are also connected deep into the main storyline but they all have their other like their they other all have their thing. own reactions to it, their own perception yes. of it, their own Thank perspective you. on it. And I think that is something that really stands out on the show. And it's not to say that it doesn't happen in other things like we've yeah. it, it reminds me of in a totally different way. But I think what made Black Panther so successful for so many reasons, but amongst those reasons was when we talk about the ensemble within the first Black Panther film, although I would say a lot of this also extends to the sequel with Wakanda Forever, is it really dedicated time? And it doesn't necessarily have to be the amount of time, the amount of screen time. You don't have to put a stopwatch on it or anything like that, but it's making use of the time with the characters to really show their philosophy on something or their perspective on a given issue because all of the issues that this series is dealing with, to bring it back to Loki, 
free will and of course the the response to the TVA and, and what it's done to all of these variants that they all find out that they are, they respond differently to it. Mobius responds differently to it, although sim- more similar to Hunter B-15 than Ravona Renslayer. And so, and the actors, I mean, Owen Wilson is incredible as Mobius, Wunmi Musaku as Hunter B-15, Gugu Mbatha-Ra as Ravona Renslayer. They all just bring it. And I, I love the way that their storylines are also, they're still centered right there. Like they're branching off, no pun intended for Loki and branches and everything, but it really is tied and woven in so neatly to the main plot. And I think sometimes where we see it with the series is, you know, that maybe they treat it more like television, like She-Hulk, for example. Some of the supporting characters would have a B story, which I actually appreciated in a half-hour comedy because that's actually true to form is to have some of the supporting members do it. But for Loki serving its own purpose with these characters and the way they feed into the overall story was done really effectively. But as you said... That's a testament. It's definitely a testament to the writing. And, you know, to shout out the writers, Michael Waldron was the head writer for this. But then, of course, he gave way to uh, Eric Martin because, remember, Michael Waldron went off to do Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So Eric Martin was the main writer who was there on set as they were shooting Loki. But other members of the staff, Bisha K. Ali, Alyssa Karasik, uh, Tom Kaufman, the writing was top notch. The direction from Kate Heron was top notch. And then, of course, the actors were just bringing it all the time um, as we've uh, as we've talked about, and and that's really, it's just such a great series from top to bottom. That was uh, a huge thing that was standing out to me of just marveling, pun partially intended, at how good this series was. Is everything about it was working? The production design, you know, as I mentioned, with uh, one of the the special features on the physical releases is, is talking about designing the TVA. But it's not just the TVA; it's everything. It's Lamentus. It's the Citadel at the end of time. Everything here just looks fantastic. The Void, everything just looks so good. And uh, Kazra Farhani was the production designer. I think he actually wrote and got to write an episode of the the second season. So looking forward to that. Uh, The cinematography, the show just looks gorgeous. That was Autumn Derald Arkapa, who then went on to be the DP on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And I don't know if this stood out to you, Paul, because I felt like this was something that escaped your memory uh, that had been pruned from your memory was the score. Natalie Holt's score in this, uh, this is definitely, in my mind, one of the top MCU scores of all time and the top MCU score when we're talking about the category of Disney Plus series. I absolutely love every sound that comes out of this show, especially uh, from the music perspective. And uh, Natalie Holt went on to also score uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series. Uh, I absolutely love it. I, I think there, this is such a well-made show across the board and, and such terrific craftsmanship throughout this series. And as I said, that's why I put it very close to WandaVision is it's just firing on all cylinders, working on every level, whatever cliched phrase you want to assign to it. It's just working so well in so many different respects and you just see the level of care that uh, that went into it. And that's what was standing out to me so much. But then it's easy to take it for granted because we've seen him do it for so long. But Tom Hiddleston's performance in this is outstanding. I mean, I was once again just taken aback by his performance throughout the series. But I really go back to that first episode and, uh, you know, the glorious purpose episode when he sees his future and his demise, watching that in, in the time theater, everything that we saw throughout the Infinity Saga. It's just an amazing moment for him. But then also the vulnerability when he admits to Mobius why he's done the things that he's done, um, that it's all this facade and it's, it's all there for the sake of intimidation. It's all this for the sake of trying to, you know, trying to grasp onto some form of control that he doesn't feel worthy of, that he doesn't feel strong enough to have. It's all a show that Loki puts on. And then Loki's journey through that, it all just works so well. And, and when I think about what really stands out and what maybe has been missing. Not that this is, this does, I didn't do this show. We're not doing this podcast to slam things that came after Loki because you can check the tape. I've liked most of that stuff too. But when we talk about some of the things that are the best of the MCU, the best things about the MCU, it's character arcs, which this has plenty of, not just for Loki, but for Sylvie. Great performance by Sophia DiMartino. Mobius has his own arc. 
Hunter B-15 has her own arc. The individual characters have arcs, but one of the secret sauces of the MCU, in my view, has always been relationship arcs. The relationship between Loki and Mobius, that becoming a, a genuine, coming from where it starts as being totally confrontational to a genuine friendship by the end, uh, is incredible. The relationship between Loki and Sylvie, those, even the relationships between characters are given arcs throughout this series, and they are executed so well, and they they pay off in such outstanding fashion, and that's why this series is as great as it is. I, I, I just think it's working so well on so many different levels. You know, one of the things that I I will admit you, you you threw a lot at me there. I got a lot to respond to. I, I look. I, I went on a ramble. I got excited talking about the show again. No, no, so no. That's on I, me. I totally get it. You no, know, no. You're all good because I I get it because again when I rewatched the series, I was blown away how much I I was laughing out loud, and I just was really enjoying it way more than I just I was expecting. I'll be admit it. Like I I loved it again. I, I liked I liked it before, but now I totally get why you loved it so much. That and I think you rewatched it a lot more than I did then too, which I. And it's funny when you. Yeah, watch, I mean, a little behind the scenes is usually on average I've seen an episode about three times before we see, do yeah. a spoiler review. Which I don't know if that will happen as much for Loki season two, just from a practical time perspective of now. Um, well, I guess th this was when series were coming out on Friday, so it, it was a cram session to be able to get this many rewatches yeah. in. But um, yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to to keep up with that. But I, yeah, usually though, when I saw when I'm talking about an episode, I, I've seen it at least twice, but usually probably more than that. Yeah. So I, you know, and I, again, I only started watching it recently. It was it's so great to get you know involved in that. And I just was loving it, and I'm gonna go ahead and say that. I still think WandaVision probably is my favorite and I think the best creative like written and just kind of really kind of just again from an art, from a capital A art standpoint I think it's still the best series. Now mind you, I think Loki's maybe the better over, maybe the best like consistent series because WandaVision kind of falls flat a little bit in the the finale. Uh, even though I like some I like the finale it just doesn't really hold up to the greatness of like the writing I think as much as the, the last episode kind of falters a little bit. Whereas Loki is a like a very, like you said it best. It just consistently just does everything really, really, really well. And I think overall it's the best overall, like just from pound to pound everything. Because one, I remember when we watched it, or when I watched it the first time, I was actually critical of the music. I did not like the music that much. And I was very harsh on it. If you listen, if you go back, listen to the tape. You know, you're going to hear me be, you know, be, not be very happy with the perform with that, uh, those, that music. I will, I'm happy to say now, I don't, I don't have those same issues now at all. When I rewatched it this time, I'm like music, I think towards the end actually kind of liked. So I was like, oh man, this actually score is not as bad as I thought it was. So I don't know if it was a frame of mind I was in at the time, but I will say the, the music definitely was better for me this time. And the one thing I really want to talk about is we talked about with these Marvel TV series, it's when I think back when they first came out, Sean, it, I don't know if it's just the pandemic or, or what, what was the difference? But even when I look at Falcon Winter Soldier, which I think now is, I love, I love that series. And I really want to really want to rewatch it now. Uh, after Loki, but after thinking about even with, with, with that and with WandaVision, and with Loki specifically, and this is where I would say Loki might be the best overall, just from you know a consistent basis series of Marvel like they've done on Disney Plus. When I think about that series and the other ones, the early ones, it just feels a flow of the episodes are a lot better compared to what we've got now in this. Even I like again this Marvel, the She-Hulk, and Moon Knight. The flow doesn't. They feel more disjointed than ever when I compare those series and see even Secret Invasion to an extent. Um, they feel more disjointed, you know, and it doesn't, I don't think that necessarily always is a, a bad thing necessarily. Cause I think it works in favor a little bit more in She-Hulk cause She-Hulk is written kind of to be disjointed because of that, that, uh, sitcom feel. So it's, right. it, She-Hulk's a little bit different, but with like Miss Marvel and, and, and especially Moon Knight felt very disjointed at times. And when I say that is that the flow between episodes doesn't feel always so natural when I rewatched rewatched Loki, everything just felt it 
flowed into each other so well. And yeah. it just it, it just never felt like it was well, a, a, yeah, a stopping point. The handoff from one episode to the next is very direct. Yes. And I love that. I love that. And I think that's what I, I kind of miss is because it does feel more like I'm watching a long movie. Yeah. Whereas but that might it, also be why you, you know, by the way, don't take any of, of my advice or my thoughts to heart because I'm I'm unlicensed and uneducated as a therapist or psychoanalyst. That's fair. But that's fair. Yeah. But. In the case of just kind of framing how we see this series, I could see the argument that this series might actually work more and might have worked better for you because you were watching it, these episodes in close proximity to each other as opposed to week to week. Um, And that's where, because I, as far as how I watched it, I waited until I got the physical media. So I, you know, the, it did not actually arrive until a couple days before we recorded the show. So I did uh, a few episodes a day. So I I was kind of binging uh, a little bit to be able to watch it. And look, it worked for me both ways. It worked for me watching one episode a week. It worked for me watching, you know, six episodes over the course of two days. So in, in either event, those things worked, uh, worked just fine for me. But to your point, though, Paul, like because it is more of an extended movie as opposed to, you know, truly episodic on an individual episode sort of level, I could totally see why you're maybe I, I could see the path for you enjoying it more this way as opposed to when you originally watched it, you know, one episode at a time a couple years ago. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where. As a rewatch, and I didn't watch it all in a row either. I had a couple days between, but it was nice to have an episode because I I found myself stopping right around like probably a, where a, a full length movie would be, Sean. So mm. I'd watch it from like episode one. I, I think I watched the first two episodes back to back, which is great, and then I watched the third and the fourth. But I watched the third and then I halfway stopped the fourth. And then I watched the fifth, the fourth, and then went mostly through the yeah, and then went there halfway through the fifth, and then I watched the fifth and the sixth today this morning, which was perfect. It was part. I was like, man, I, it just it felt it just felt like it flowed so well, and I think it's because of the, it hands off to each episode, like it just keeps the story going instead of like, hey, here's a gap of time of like a couple of days, you know, yeah. which we got a lot with Miss Marvel and with Moon Knight and with Secret Invasion. Because of that flow and that you're kind of going the same, again, no, no pun intended, the same time as the TVA and, and, and everything, it just it definitely felt just it just flows so much better. And again, I think the quality and one thing you touched on was production quality and everything. The production on this, this show was nuts. Like as I'm rewatching it, I was like, man, they did not skip skimp anything yeah. out in this show Spare, and spared it, no expense. No, they really did not. And I was really impressed of how much it holds up everything you know we talk about the acting but how it looks it just looks fantastic and as i'm you know i got a brand new tv uh recently i got an 85 inch 4k no dolby vision but uh i love it it's a huge tv and it looks great fits perfectly in my house and i'm re-watching it and i'm just like man this show looks so good <laughs> this show looks great and i just was really impressed with how um everything just looked so detailed and I gotta tell you, just rewatching it, you know, as a Marvel fan, you know, who loves the Marvel comics, you know, with Ravona Renslayer, just seeing her and the importance of her, I'm just reminded, like, man, like this is like, this character is way more important than I realized. Maybe like looking back at this, like I, I knew she was important back then, but like rewatching it now, I gotta tell you, I'm like, man, I think she might be a way more bigger deal than I realized. You know, so in fact, I would say Loki. After rewatching it, you know, in comparison to watching Ant Man now, I really want it sucks because I really wanted to try to watch Ant Man. Um, I'll probably have to finish that next week, but and I, I need to get, watch that ASAP because that feels like Ant Man Quantum Mania should be the next movie. I'm not sure it, in the in the continuity order. I don't know if it's next, but it feels like that's the natural way to go right after uh, watch Endgame, then Loki, then Ant Man Quantum Mania. That's what it feels like it needs to happen because it's so perfectly set up that way. Yeah, I mean, and certainly those things, you know, uh, well, obviously when you have the he who remains slash Kang connection, which I know we haven't mentioned him specifically in this podcast yet. Obviously, this will, you know, comes up here. It will come up throughout Loki season two. 
with Jonathan Majors, and obviously there's a, a pending court case with criminal charges, of course, still filed, uh, still pending for Jonathan Majors. As far as I know, I think the next court date for that is is late October. So, you know, we'll continue to, of course, cover the show and cover, obviously, his performance in it to as much as, as that's required. And then, obviously, any other comment outside of that and his position in the MCU and future of the MCU, like everyone else, we are awaiting further information before we can comment on that, because at this point, as far as his future to the MCU, it's not nece- it's not something that Marvel Studios has made a decision in or a decision on, uh, rather. And I think for all of us, it's just waiting to see what happens with that. Obviously, the behavior that Jonathan Majors has been accused of and charged with is behavior that we obviously nobody condones uh, and we certainly don't hear. So um, as far as how we plan to cover it and cover it here, we'll keep it uh, specific to the performances and the shows that, that we are seeing. And then again, we will comment on on things outside of that uh, as further information becomes uh, available, which is the way we've uh, we've been approaching it for the last uh, the last several months. But for Jonathan Majors and, and everything that's going on with Kang, obviously everybody was a, a big, big fan of that performance when we first saw this uh, the the last episode of season one for all time, always. And and I think as far as where that ties into with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, I'm trying to look for, I'm like scrambling to look for the chronological order on uh, Disney Plus to see where they put uh, Quantumania in relation to Loki. I'm guessing Quantumania is going to come after it, and it looks like it does. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, tech. I mean, but the the last episode of Loki happens at the end of time slash also outside of time. So, uh, I mean, how that really fits, I don't really know. Um, but speaking of that last episode, I, I was thinking about something else, Paul, when you were talking about these episodes and, and going back to the point about production design, I think half the episodes are, are very TVA heavy, the first two episodes and then the fourth episode. But then you have episode three, which is, I mean, I know we still cut back to the TVA headquarters, but we're still, mo- we're, we are mostly in, on Lamentis in episode three, in the void on episode five, and then the Citadel at the end of time in episode six. And that's another thing where I, I tip my cap to this show and the production design. We talk about sparing no expense. And I know that a lot of these are there are digital extensions of these sets. These aren't all physical, real locations. But in whatever teamwork and whatever collaboration is involved between the physical sets that were built and shot on versus the digital extensions of those sets, or in some cases, maybe an, an entire digital creation of a set, Everything was working in harmony, and, and all these episodes look fantastic. And I, I think that when you're having to go through, I mean, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to find a di- or to think of a Disney Plus series that had so many different environments that looked so different from one another, and they all looked this good. They all looked as great as they did in this episode, and so that's or in this series. And, and I think that's really what stands out is there are just so many strengths to this first season. And this was such a great show, as I said, from top to bottom. And I I think that everybody really was bringing their A game in Loki season one. And that really stood out uh, for me in in rewatching this series. And and look, this is the kind of thing that, yeah, even for myself, I would have rewatched way more times than than I actually have because we just don't have as much space for it because there's so many more things. And this just reminds me of why I am glad that Marvel Studios is slowing down and for multiple reasons. But one of them is I do think that we've had so much MCU, which has been great for podcast purposes, but we've had so much MCU in such a short amount of time that I do think the inevitable effect of that or one of the effects of that is that it's just hard for that not to change our relationship with these stories because as i said before when you weren't when we weren't getting as many it was that much easier when as long as it was something we liked as long as it was a new story that we enjoyed and usually for the first many several years of the MCU that was movies when it was just two or three movies a year it was that much easier when we got something we liked to really savor that experience and and rewatch it and just keep it keep it in our heads that much longer. 
before we start looking forward to the next thing. And obviously that's been harder to do when there have been you know, three to four movies a year, plus three to four or more, sometimes Disney Plus series per year. And of course, Loki came out in 2021, which was peak Marvel Studios Disney Plus. And we think about the fact that we had what that year? WandaVision, Falcon, just on Disney Plus, WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, and we got Hawkeye. And then that was also to go along with movies, Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, and then finishing up with Spider-Man No Way Home. So that was a lot. And then, of course, we got a lot more in 2022. I think having MCU, having fewer MCU stories and having them be further apart will get back to allowing us to do more of what we're doing now a little bit later after the fact of really thinking about and enjoying these series and these movies as well uh, For in the case of features. But when we get a new chapter of the MCU, a new MCU story that we really, really love, that we get a chance to kind of hold on to that a little bit longer and, and really appreciate it before just moving on to the next thing because it's only a few weeks away. I think that's really going to help. And I, I think that's going to help each individual story. I think that's going to help our own experience as fans. And obviously, it's going to help Marvel Studios on a number of fronts. You know, you talked about, uh, Paul, you mentioned how if you think about WandaVision and you think about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, and I would go ahead and extend that to Hawkeye just to continue with another Disney Plus live action series, all of those 2021 Disney Plus live action series, I thought they were all stronger than the ones that we got in 2022. And I think that part of the reason for that is if we're thinking about if Marvel Studios ended up being a little overextended and maybe stretched a little too thin at certain parts, it, that wasn't really showing as much in 2021. Maybe that started showing in 2022, which kind of makes sense, right? If all of a sudden you have to rapidly increase your output, which Marvel Studios had to do, um, or was assigned to do, or volunteered to do, however it however it all came to be. In any event, they were able to maintain quality while working at, a, at an accelerated pace. They were able to do that for a while, but they couldn't sustain it forever, and it was not something that was going to always be sustainable for them. And, and then we started seeing some things start to start to show, and in some instances, again, I'm not here to say that the MCU is all bad. And I think what I would say for or post Endgame, the MCU is all bad or it's a mess or this and that or what a lot of the other conversation around it might be. I think where Loki is also a reminder, not just in terms of how I feel about it individually and how I feel about it now upon revisiting it, but how I felt at the time and what I remember the conversation was at the time. And it was very positive for Loki, just like it was for WandaVision, and even very positive for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and through the end of the year with Hawkeye. I mean, the only thing you could point to in 2021 where maybe the conversation wasn't quite so positive would be Eternals, and then it got right back to being positive with Spider-Man No Way Home. So I, I think there's just been, and this is kind of the revisionist history that happens, and this is the kind of, um, this is the way it can kind of reach back is an example I always point to because I'm old as I go back to the 90s. And how everybody complains about the Schumacher era of the Batman franchise, and they lump Batman and Robin together with Batman uh, with Batman Forever. And I was there uh, in '95 and '97. And this is not my me trying to convince anyone that Batman Forever is a great movie. I'm just telling you that in 1995, people loved that movie, and people were very very happy with the Batman franchise after Batman Forever in 1995. And then Batman and Robin happened in 1997, and the entire Schumacher era became trash. That's not how people originally thought of it. And so now, when I look at what's happened with the MCU and the multiverse saga, everybody was really, most people seem to be very happy, different, varying degrees of very happy in 2021, and then maybe some things they didn't love as much in 2022, and all of a sudden the narrative shifted from any individual projects that people maybe didn't like in 2022 or Quantum Mania in early 2023, or I guess now Secret Invasion, and it became this narrative of, oh, it's all been bad since Endgame. But it hasn't been. It really hasn't. There has been greatness within the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the multiverse saga, um, as recently as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 just a few months ago. And then, of course, including a lot of what we love so much in 2021 with WandaVision 
and this series with Loki. And so that was another thing I appreciated in being able to go back and, and revisit this series is it's a reminder that there's actually been some great stories in the MCU within the multiverse saga. And a lot of us have felt like and enjoyed that there were these great stories. We enjoyed them at the time. And I'm happy to report that here's an example of one that a couple years later still totally holds up. It's not like we were all just swept up in some endgame afterglow or it was 2021 and we hadn't gotten any MCU in 2020. So in 2021, we were giving all these series a pass just because we were happy to have the MCU again. No, that didn't happen either. These series and those movies from 21 uh, totally hold up, especially Loki season one which I think is is just absolutely incredible. And, and when I say that I would put it as the second best Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, and it's not quite as great as WandaVision, that's not really, it has nothing to do with Loki or any faults or flaws within Loki season one. That's just about the praise for WandaVision. And, and ultimately, my rankings don't mean anything anyway. So, and, and nobody's rankings really mean anything anyway. Loki is, I think, you know, right up there as a, as one of the great stories of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I hope that season two can live up to that, because I do think that season one really has set the bar very, very high. I mean, the the bar in the MCU, generally speaking, in my view, is is very, very high, which is why maybe people react a certain way when that bar is not met. Um, but the bar is high for the MCU in general, but specific to this series, the bar is very high for uh, the bar for season two has been set very high by this first season, uh, Paul. I, I think this one is just th this is really special. This is one of the the gems of the MCU. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm with you and I'm not going to go into a whole like, you know, the state of the MCU because we could be here for another hour about that. But now we, we already did that, that earlier Loki's this year. We'll We'll do it early next year. It sounds good to me. Um, you know, I, I, I'm with you, though. I think people tend to forget that the phase four or whatever phase we're in now, the multiverse uh, saga, it's actually not it's not going as bad as people think it is. And it, it definitely is not as strong as the previous one. Let's be real. You know, but at the same time, you can't compare. I, I don't think you can compare them either as far as the sagas and, and time frames and all, et cetera, et cetera. But with Loki specifically, I think it definitely adds to the, you know, to should remind us that Marvel is not MCU hasn't been as bad as people think it is. And I think Loki is a great reminder of that. You know, it, me rewatching it recently, Sean, I am I was excited for it. But now I'm really excited for it. I'm like, I'm I'm jonesing for it. I mean, especially after Ahsoka, I'm going to be bumming out after not having that show anymore to watch. And I think Loki, honestly, has made made that ending a little bit easier because I'm, I'm going to be so excited to see Loki and and see, you know, Ravonna, 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 Ravonna Renslayer. Ravonna, yeah, God, me. Uh, Ravonna Renslayer, seeing her, where she fits in with all this, um, you know, Mobius, uh, Loki, Sylvie, all that stuff. I can't wait to see where all this goes because it definitely feels that they're going to be tied in more to probably Secret Wars and maybe even Deadpool 3 uh, than we probably realize. You know, yeah. and I to be honest, I, I feel like they're the avenue that is going to be helping get, you know, well, a lot of these, I mean, play, the, these people, the TVA can be the shield of the multiverse. So I think that's yeah, exactly. I think that's a great analogy. And, you know, cause you were able to get away with it in no way home because of Dr. Strange. But, but honestly, now you have a great way for them and a reason to get these people together and Kang. And again, they're, I, oh, when we talk about secret wars and everything, I always think about, Oh, Kang, you know, gathering their people. It may be, it may be, the TVA versus Kang on top of Kang. So it's Kang, you know, versus a Mortis versus council of Kangs, you know, Mortis being the, the head of the council of Kangs, if you will. And then you have, um, you know, Kang himself, the conqueror. And then you have, uh, the TVA trying to, you know, figure that out. And maybe they're the ones who bring the Avengers in. So a TV are, are kind of like that whole, well, it's hard because right now the, the TVA are still tied directly into Kang and unwittingly well, doing his bidding. And he kind of has this, ability as we see at the end of the first season that was another thing by the way I, another specific point uh, to throw out there i loved that this one had like a true because this is the only marvel show that's had 
a season two. I mean, I know What If has yeah. been renewed and we're going to see it, but this is the first time we are going to see a season two premiere of a Marvel Studios Disney Plus show. I love that season one had a cliffhanger, but then the mid credit scene is just the stamp of Loki will return in season two, which I love that because that's also like TV format to do an end of season cliffhanger as long as there's a promise that you're going to get the new season as opposed to those unfortunate instances in television television history where a season has ended with a cliffhanger and then the show got canceled. So there was never any resolution to the problems See, presented. Peaks. Yeah, just, <laughs> you know, it happens. And, and that's just one example of many uh, that have happened throughout television history. So not an issue, thankfully, for Loki, at least from season one uh, to yeah. uh, to season two. But yeah, I think we're still we're going to have to find out what the TVA's relationship will be with Kang going forward, because you br- you brought up Ravona, And I, I think that she is a really interesting character when you think about how season one leaves her like she just takes off. She wants to have her own understanding of it. And that's she was a great character in terms of standing out. As I said before, everybody reacts to things differently. So you have the way that Hunter B-15 reacts to finding out that she's a variant that she's been taken from her own life. You have the way Mobius reacts to it. And uh, Ravona is given the same information, and she reacts completely differently than they do in terms of where they feel cheated, they feel robbed, and now this is because they've uncovered this lie. That means it all has to be brought down. Ravona instead just wants to understand why, and she wants to find out her purpose because... Maybe she wouldn't like or approve of how it all started and how she got there. But from her perspective, if this is what Kang or He Who Remains or whoever that that she doesn't know, because it wasn't the timekeepers that she was so close with and who turned out to be robots, that there has to be some reason. And she has to believe that everything that she's been dedicating herself to, even if there was even if it was based on a lie that the lie was serving some important purpose or some glorious purpose. And she has to try and find her own. She has to go through her own journey in response to that, which will make her a very interesting character in season two, same as Loki and Mobius. And so I think that when we talk about a show being you know, a, a complete series, that's another huge, huge part of it that a, a character who is, you could just say she is ultimately a secondary antagonist in the show since we get the primary antagonist in the last episode to give that character that much development and that much um, that much of a chance to really explain and, and provide insight into her own perspective, which is very different than the perspective of the characters around her. That doesn't happen all the time. And so the fact that Loki did that and did it so well is a testament to, again, the writing, the direction of the show, and also the performance by Gugu and Batara, and it just stands out as just another another shining example of how great this show is. Yeah, and, and I'll just end on this, that I think Ravona is going to be, uh, just if you if you know the character of her tied with Kang, and especially if you read that comic that I've been raving about, you know, uh, Only Myself to Conquer, which is a fantastic miniseries about Kang, um, it really dives into like his relationship with her, and it kind of goes, I think, kind of, I wouldn't say it kind of hints at what they'll do with her, but if if it's anything like what I what they've done with her already in the past in general, and this comic has kind of echoed a lot of that, it's that she is kind of almost a just kind of this 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 almost kind of like a Mister Freeze and Nora, if you will, mm. and it, it it almost feels like he who remains couldn't even tell her why she was there because if he did, it would upset the timeline. I'm just going to leave it there because if you know Kang and her relationship and hers relationship, then you know, it's complicated and you know what kind of drives Kang a lot of times, then she, her presence in that and not knowing anything and knows there has to be for a greater purpose. She finds out if, if again, I don't know, but I'm just going to assume at this point, it's probably because Kang or, or, you know, that, you know, Nathaniel Richards of that timeline or whatever has fallen in love with a version of Ravenna Renslayer, that person and whatever multiverse this person exists in and is basically just going out trying to make her like fall in love with him again in some ways. And it just doesn't work out the same. 
and that the fact that this this version is is completely clueless and she goes out to set you know to find out what that is and we know again this is bringing him up because he's he's in the show but Kang the character and Jonathan Majors that there's different variants of that character in you know that we're going to see in in Loki where we had that confirmed obviously it's going to be interesting to see if that she finds out that's what maybe she's there for who knows I don't know but it feels like that's where we're headed because the fact it just reminded me she's completely clueless of what's going on. So it may, it makes sense that she finds out that like, that's why she's there and that she's ta- her free will is taken away from her because someone was in love with a version of herself. Like she's going to lose her GD mind and rightfully so. So there's a lot of complexity there that I'm like really interested to see if they go that route. Again, I don't know if they're going to go that route, but it feels like they're going to, I hope they do kind of, but I, whatever. I, at this point, I don't care. They're great. The grades are great performances. They've handled these characters perfectly. I'm super stoked. Yeah, I am very excited about, well, her journey as a character, because I also just really like, that's one of the other things about the MCU that I really appreciate, is that you end up having these meaningful roles for characters that you wouldn't have necessarily anticipated that at the outset. Um, when you first hear about uh, a character being included, and you, and you never know, is that just a name from the comic books, or are they really going to do something with that? And often... They elevate it beyond what's there in the source material, especially for the characters that are lesser known or or had smaller parts to play in the comics compared to what they might get a chance to do in the MCU. And that's not to take anything away from Ravona, who's had some moments in the comic books, but you could see something, a potential within the MCU that's even greater than what you might have assumed, because we've seen them do that before with characters and and Ravona could prove to be, uh, well, I would say currently is on track to be another example of that. But I think it's just overall this series, as I said, it's so great on so many different levels. And and everybody just did. I don't know if it's the the best work of their individual careers. I don't want to compare all of their resumes, but I just say everybody really delivered uh, something special and, and, and brought something special to this series, whether it was through their performance, their craftsmanship, their creative vision, whatever it was that they brought to Loki. Um, just a lot of amazing collaborators who who came together and, and really delivered this special first season that has us even more excited for season two, not only to watch it, but then, hey, come back here and talk about it so that years from now, we can check the tape to figure out what our original feelings were on Loki season two when we eventually revisit it. But let's go ahead and let's get through it the first time. So, yes, we are very excited about Loki season two and with the premiere coming up on October 5th. Uh, Soon after, you will get our spoiler review for the first episode, and then each week, you'll hear our spoiler review of the latest episode of Loki Season 2, and that really is our our favorite thing to do here on the podcast, is when we have a brand new chapter of the MCU, whether it's a movie or an episode of a Disney Plus series, to be able to come back here and, and talk about it for uh, for ourselves and also, yes, for uh, for all of you. And so we are we are really amped up for that and looking forward to the next several weeks here on MCU Fan Show that will give us six episodes of Loki plus the Marvels, uh, which will be out uh, basically as Loki ends its second season. So lots of stuff coming up uh, for our episodes of the podcast. So Hopefully you will continue on this journey with us as we figure out just what the hell is going on with the sacred timeline as it was all unraveling and spiraling at the end of season one. Uh, What is going on in season two? We'll find out together starting next week. In the meantime, uh, make sure you follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram threads and again, X formerly known as Twitter. Uh, also make sure you check out Fan Show Plus, whether that's at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts, so you can hear us talk about an actual, it sounds like, specific X-Men movie that Marvel is going to be hearing pitches for uh, in the coming weeks. So we will talk about that on Fan Show Plus, which you can find at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. Paul, before we get out of here, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, X, whatever the hell it's called, uh, at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please go subscribe to the Comic Binge YouTube channel that we do. I just recently did a uh, a current Avengers kind of uh, retrospective recently of the new series that just got released uh, this year. Uh, I call it Jumping On Point because it's a great jumping on point, and Kang is a... Uh, 
by no surprise, the kind of a main uh, feature of this series. But he's not the main antagonist. So I'll just kind of keep it there. We kind of review it. We do some little slight spoilers um, for the comics. But we reviewed uh, basically the new Timeless one-shot that kind of sets the new kind of stage for everything. And then the uh, Avengers uh, issues one through four that just got really uh, issue five just came out last Wednesday. But yeah, the first we, we basically were kind of talking about the first four issues and everyone on the, on the panel like liked it. Uh, they all thought it was pretty solid. Uh, Jen McKay is the writer. C.F. Villa is the uh, artist and they do a great work. Um, really recommend it. If you're in a, if you're into Marvel, like if you're like, you know, listen to the show, yeah. then definitely Good recommend you are. it. Yeah. Go check it out. It's it's really well done. And I'll just I'll leave a little tease on this. All new villains that are are featured in this and i would not be shocked if some of them i'm not sure which ones i'll just leave it there some of them might be you could say the new black order sean mm. so if, if you're if you're into that because i think you're gonna you're, we're gonna need some henchmen you know that's just, that's every good villain has a henchman so i think there's some new henchmen in one way or another will be involved in this uh this new in these movies potentially i think it's a good chance so go check those out go subscribe to the comic binge go like some videos leave some love notes aka some comments appreciate it and uh i'll see you guys soon and you can follow me on instagram twitter slash now x and threads at mr sean gerber so for paul i'm sean thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week with the loki season two premiere